Welcome back, everybody. Uh, I'm wearing my Fighter and the Kid t-shirt, which is about three sizes too small, but I don't mind because it shows off my gains, my huge muscles. Looking swole. Yeah, got my swole on. Actually, I've been recovering. Dennis and I both have been recovering from the effects of getting swole on Monday. Boy, that, so. rig, that rig class is just brutal. We're going to see what, we're gonna see what class, happens. Though. It's a great class. I agree. Shout out to our man Ron Casper. He's never, ever going to hear this, but if anybody knows him, give him a pat on the back. Never know. That's true. Somebody might know him. So uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about... So some of you may or may not have listened to episode three that I put out, which was uh, just me going on and on for like an hour about why I left the Mormon church and the kind of my story of how it all happened. Anyway, Dennis uh, also listened, like the good roommate that he is, and... Um, he had some questions. And I'm curious as can be. Yeah. So so I said, Hey, let's let's start the podcast and um and and you can ask me your questions and, and I don't, I haven't seen any of these questions. I specifically asked him not to tell me them beforehand. So this is gonna be live. Live and, and raw and real. Well, I mean, honestly, honestly, right from the get go I wanna say that I'm impressed. I loved it. I thought it was very, very genuine, and um, it's pretty powerful stuff, and I think that um, it's it's really helpful for those people that may not voice it the same way you do. I think a lot of people may have the same thoughts, but are afraid to say something, so congrats Thanks, man. Yeah. on the courage, yeah, so that's thank you. really, really great. Yeah. Um, Honestly, uh, there's so much, and it's just, it's it's very, very intriguing. And um, kind of like right off the bat, I would ask, why now? What, what kind of, what makes you, you know, what has brought you to a point where you say, you know what, I just got to say it? Do you mean like what brought me to the point of saying it, or what brought me to the point of, of like, like actually leaving? What brought you to the point where you actually had to say something about oh, to it? To go public with it? Um, that's a great question. Uh, I think a, a big part of it, I said, I kind of pre- started the podcast up and finished it by talking about my family. These fine people up here. See how well that was placed? It's perfectly that, that placed. That's genius, actually. I just barely put two and two together, two and two together on that one. Um, but a big part of it was, um, I, I, there's, I kind of took a break from talking to a lot of my family members, which is going to sound weird, but I, I just needed some space to, to really process how I was going to move forward and different things. And I got, I think I, I just kind of got sick of not being involved in their lives and not really being able to talk to them. And like one of my, my oldest nephew is getting married and there's a lot of things that are happening and I didn't want to be. Um, not part of that because mm-hmm. my family has been my biggest support system through everything that's happened. The divorce, they were my biggest supporters. Um, everything that I've done. I mean, it actually starts long before even just the divorce. When I went on my mission to Ukraine, I messed up my knee and I had to come back for surgery, which is very rare. Oh, really? Yeah. Very rare to come home. And it's even rarer to go back on your mission after mm-hmm. that, you know, cause missions aren't easy. They're, they're, they're tough. You messed it up there. I messed it up there. Uh, the little boy from Arizona doesn't know how to walk on Ukrainian ice. 
So I kept slipping <laughs> and I jacked up my knee pretty bad. It's the black ice. Exactly. They thought that I had torn my ACL. But anyway, I went back, but they were really supportive and they, they and it was, it wasn't supportive in the sense of, oh, we're here for you. We'll help you get back. It was, you know, like we're, we're here for you no matter what choice you make. Like if you're going to go back, that's mm-hmm. awesome. If not, it's fine. We're here for you either way. Oh, that's good. So, so I think the thing about now is I just, I kind of got, I kind of got antsy about not being able to talk to them and I, and it just felt like, like that combined with, um, the starting the, the the podcast and wanting to be a little more public about some things and wanting to talk about things, it just sort of came to a head all at the same time. And it was like an, you know, like a, that was a good reason for me to go ahead and do it. And the reason I ask is also, you know, I have this feeling and it's after listening to the podcast is, you know, it feels like, you know, you, you know, yourself, you know, that much better where you can actually now come out and talk about it you know what i mean yeah yeah it's it's a it's a it's a it's a sense of comfort yeah where you can actually you know discuss it put it out there and and know that you're 100 percent okay with it yeah i think yeah that's a that's a good point and uh and i think it a lot of it has to at least that's what i yeah kind of heard as well no i I think yeah i think that there does come from that place of um self-discovery because i i mean i spent the last probably a year and a half to almost two years really focusing on discovering what I wanted out of life and, and what, what the implications of that were and all of that. And so I think, um, getting and becoming more clear on what it was that, what it is that I want out of life and just being more clear on who I am and here are the things that I like and here are the things that I don't like and here's what I want and letting all of the, you know, the, the, sort of superficial desires that I was sort of trained to have mm-hmm. before just kind of start to fall away and just realize, you know, who I am and what I want has been super powerful. So yeah, I think, I think that's a good, that's a good observation. I, I probably wouldn't have pointed that out myself as I, I didn't, but, <laughs> but yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, being more sure of me and what I want and that just sort of coming out, you know, what was interesting was, you know, you talk about having this, the, the mission, Right. Yeah. In the in the Mormon community. Yeah. And um, the, you know, I I know nothing about, you know, I, I come from a completely out of the box, yeah. you know, viewpoint here. And um, it sounds like obviously the goal of the mission is to do just that, right? To to yeah. to, to find yourself. You that, know? I'm actually glad you asked that question. I haven't, I haven't thought about this in, well, I so I got back from my mission in 2008. So it's been coming up on eight years now since mm-hmm. I got back. But I I um, remember while I was out there um, having the the question of why do they send 19 and 20-year-olds to do this stuff? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you think about sending people out to go and try and convince other people to join a church. You think you would send people that were educated, that knew better, more like about the church, that had some life experience that could relate to people. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have... I mean, in Ukraine is a is is a is a part of the world where, by Mormon missionary standards, the success rate is really low. Why did you pick Ukraine? I didn't pick it. The the the, oh. the Mormon, when you go on a mission as a Mormon, they assign you where you're. I did not know that. That's see, that's interesting. Yeah. So I, yeah. Okay. It is kind of cool, actually, the way that it all. I mean, kind of the way everything came together, and the fact right. that I went there, and what that has the implications huh. of that on the rest of my life. Okay. But um. 
Yeah, we were. We it was not what you would call consider a, a successful mission, in the sense of baptisms, convert, conversions, people that we brought to the church. Um, most of that's just because the you know a lot of the culture in Ukraine and and the experiences that the people have been through. But I distinct. In fact, I remember where I was when it when I when I had this thought. Um, the apartment that I was in was in Donetsk, um, in the Petrovsky Rayon, and uh, I was I was standing there and I thought to myself. No, the, the, the point of, of sending 19 and 20-year-olds out on a mission can't be because they're really good at teaching or they're really good at convincing people or they're really good salesmen because they're mm-hmm. not. It's for them. Like it's, it's to give them a chance to discover uh, themselves within the, within the, ramf- the, the confines and the, 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 um, the paradigm of the church, obviously, because they're out. You know, when, as a missionary, you don't, you you do missionary stuff all the time. So, was one of the missions in the mission is to bring more people into the Mormon community. That's the primary. That's the primary mission okay. of okay. a mission. That's the primary mission. Mission. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> is to bring. That's what. That's what the work is. I, I probably sound like like an. No, idiot, this is awesome, and honestly, it's like, I love that you asked it that. But way it's just too. that I, I really don't know. Yeah. <laughs> this is why we're at. This is why I wanted to. I thought it was cool that he would ask these questions, is because there's there's no there's no background, and nor it. did I do any research. No research, because yeah. to be honest with you, I just I just kind of want to I want to learn it from you. Yeah. I, I want I want your take. Well, I think the perspective too is important, especially. Excuse me, man. I shouldn't have drinking that root beer before. <laughs> <laughs> especially considering what we're talking about, which is the the podcast, which all uh, the mission plays a huge part in that whole, that whole conversation, that whole part, that whole part of the process. So, um, for me, I mean, when you go on a mission, the, the work that you're doing is trying to find people to bring into the church. So you'll go mm-hmm. out on the streets and you'll talk to people. You just approach people. You'll go knock on doors. Um, you'll do activities like we taught English once a week. So we'd have people come in and teach them English mm-hmm. at the church building. So people would get, you know, uh, a chance to, to, uh, experience the building and, and those kinds of things. Um, and it was all day, every day. I mean, we got up at six thirty, and we did, did, we did studies until about ten thirty, and then we were out on the street until nine and then we'd come home and then reset for the next day. So we had one day a week that was like our preparation day where we would do laundry and play sports and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but write letters home, that kind of thing. But, um, but that was the main thing. But I, but Really, underneath, it seemed obvious to me that the reason why why the church was sending us out was less because we were going to be mo- the most effective at getting people into the church, and more because it was going to be a good positive experience for us moving forward. Because mm-hmm. one of the things that that you mentioned was your mission was transformative, but it wasn't necessarily the best experience. Yeah. So. What what was that? What was the transformative that you went through? What's the, what's that transformation? Transformative. That's a great question. Um, the mission was transformative in the sense that uh, I'll never be the person that I was before because of the experiences that I had. The people that I met. Fair enough. I mean, I learned a new language. I learned to interact with people. Um, I learned how to how to basically survive on my own in another country. Mm-hmm. Um, learned a lot about myself as far as like studying habits and, and eating habits. And just, I kind of learned a lot about myself, not nearly as much as I've learned, say in the past like year and a half, 
but I just uh, I was I was put into a situation where I was forced to um, do things that I never had even thought to do before because I was out there. I mean, you're you're not under any sort of direct supervision. Um, you're kind of the day to day is sort of on your own, and so um, so I think transformative in the sense that it it really it really forced me to shed a lot of a lot of the immature ways of being that I had before. I mean, I was before I went on my mission, I was incredibly judgmental mm-hmm. and incredibly uh, harsh with other people and, and was, I, I didn't give uh, very much consideration to other people's point of view or where they were coming from or any of that kind of stuff because uh, the way that I ha- knew or saw things was the way that it was. And, and after experiencing Ukraine and the fact that, first of all, Russians and Ukrainians, they, they think literally backwards of the way that we do. It's and really reali- different. Yeah, and and realizing that you're the minority in a mm-hmm. country, the way you think is like everybody everybody else there thinks that way. At, at first you think, "Oh, the entire country of Ukraine is insane." That's that's the thought at first. But then mm-hmm. after a while you're like, "Only the people that are only the American missionaries are saying this." <laughs> so what does that tell you? Yeah. So it just, you know, I became a lot less judgmental and 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 things sort of changed that way. Well, I think I mean, part of it just from personal experience too is that it's incredibly important to see a difference no matter how big or small you need to be put you know in a situation where you're just like whoa yeah um this is a reality check yeah what i thought i wasn't expecting this yeah yeah, what what i thought should be is isn't at all you know i know exactly what you're talking about so and a lot of the missionaries struggled with that. Like that was a big thing. When I say things like, "We thought that the entire country of Ukraine was off their rocker," that was that was a very widely accepted view. We talked about that all the time. We'd be like, "Oh, these Ukrainians—they're so silly," mm-hmm. you know. Like, there's a date sometime in the end, middle to the end of September, when all the old ladies that are sitting out on the on the street start yelling at you for not wearing a hat. It's completely arbitrary, mm-hmm. but it's all on the same day. And we would. We, we always thought that was the funniest thing. And sometimes we'd walk without hats just to get them upset, right, and do all these things. But that, that, that's the type of thing is we, we were so quick to hold on to our way of doing things and, and not realize that we were just part of a different – it was a different culture, you know. And it's just as valid as ours even though we were raised in ours. If that well, what's funny is um, – so I was back in Ukraine. I think it's been about three years now. And um, – one of the one of the questions um, a friend had for me was, "Do you own a gun?" And I, and I was like, <laughs> "What in the world?" Like I would, I haven't even thought about this. Like I never even thought about yeah getting a gun. Yeah, yeah. Right? And then it's funny because you kind of look at you know you watch TV and you realize, wow, all these movies that they're showing are like Rambo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like Black Hawk Down, Rambo, and whatever other movie that right, you can right. think of that's like military right you know and, and and they have this in their mind they're like wow americans are uh-huh. wow they're crazy yeah i just want to you know take over and shoot people right and i'm just like no i don't i don't have a gun yeah like i live in a pretty quiet town yeah, yeah. it's really really nice actually <laughs> you know i say new york they're like new york city new york city yeah so i mean it's it do you know george bush i got that one all the time yeah it's just funny because um, you need to go to to you know and, and see parts of the world 
because what's presented to the people that are there of what of what else is out there through TV through whatever is just all honesty it's just it's not right right and it's not right that it's that I'm saying that it's it's wrong or something bad it's just it's, it's just not the truth yeah it's incorrect yeah it's inaccurate it's yeah. inaccurate yeah so um we always used to one of the funny one of the funny one was the Ukrainian we always used to make fun of this but the Ukrainian the way that Ukrainians and Russians think that Americans think about Ukrainians and Russians, mm-hmm. we would get this all the time. They would ask us, so do you guys think that we have bears running in the streets? <laughs> Literally, that's what that, that is exactly, almost verbatim what they, obviously in Russian, but that's verbatim what they would say. Because some, some movie sometime got it into their heads that Americans think that Russians live with bears, right? The bears just run around in the streets. So they would be like, you weren't surprised that there are no bears, were you? And we're like... Well, I don't know what you're talking about. And they're like, you guys don't think that we have bears running in the street? And I'm like, no. What are Jesus you talking about? Uh, it's pretty funny. So, nah, anyway, kind of going back. Um, so, one other thing that kind of was really, really interesting, actually, is that in the community, you were never allowed to kind of discover yourself right um could can you explain? i wouldn't say we weren't allowed i may have i may have said that mm-hmm. then <laughs> i'll clarify it's not that we're that mormons aren't allowed to discover themselves and it's not that they're not allowed to go in and and discover the things that they want the things that they like it's that it's not encouraged and it's it, it's almost de- to use an economic an economic term. It's almost de incentivized, meaning you 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 as a Mormon, you are better off inside the Mormon community if instead of trying to pursue your own, like discovering yourself, mm-hmm. you learn how to be part of a bigger whole, like to be part of something bigger, right? So in, like part part of Mormon doctrine is to be very selfless. Right, and the interpretation of that doctrine most of the time is to not to to know the difference between want and need, and the interpretation of that usually is you shouldn't want anything, mm-hmm. right? Because wants wants it just makes you sort of proud and covetous is usually the word that's used. Um, but there's just not really a place for it. There's no like there are programs in the church for all kinds of things. There's programs to help teenage kids, you know, stay out of trouble. There's programs. The mission is a could be considered a program to keep 19 and 20 and 21 year olds from getting hooked on drugs, which is what the rest of the country is doing that during that time mm-hmm. in college. Well, that's what that's the the way that it's taught, right? There's programs to help kids get married. There's programs to help family stay. There's programs for all these things, but there's not really a program. It's not really incentivized for people to really go off and discover themselves. You know, like a like a room springer kind of thing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, go figure out what you want. That's almost. It's like I said. It's not that it's that it's that you can't do that and it's disallowed, but it's like that's kind of a weird thing to do. You know, you just you just don't step outside the rules. You don't. You just you just don't. Well, well, here's here's a question. Do you think that it's almost there's almost too many programs in trying to do it rather than just letting you do it? Um. <laughs> yeah, you know, because that's probably the most beautifully put that I've ever like hearing you say it that way. I never thought of it that way that the programs might be the reason, like because there's so much structure, 
Mm -hmm. it doesn't allow for you to find yourself because you're just like the structure is there. So it's like, just do, just fall in line with the structure, fall in line with the doctrine, with the programs, get with the programs, so to speak. It's just like your mission in Ukraine. I mean, going to Ukraine, you're, you're kind of thrown into the, you know, into the water. You had to swim. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we, we got, I mean, we got a little bit of training. I was in a, in a place called the MTC for about three months just to learn Russian and mm-hmm. to kind of learn how to teach, but you, you don't really learn that much. Even, I mean, three months is the longest that anybody's ever there. And it's because we were learning Russian. Most people are there for like six weeks. Now, granted, I mean, uh, you know, I'm saying maybe the programs are the problem. Then again, some people, they thrive, you know, with that. And right. some, and they're just different types of people, right? Right, and uh, there are some that, you know, they 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 embrace the challenge, mm-hmm. they learn how to swim, and they come out really really strong. Yeah, but sometimes you need some guidance, and I and I completely yeah. understand that. But at the end of the day, you seem the type where you would you you actually flourish being challenged. Mm-hmm. More so, you're you're that type of person. Totally, totally, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think it it. it I remember s- distinctly. If any of you have seen the Book of Mormon musical, have you seen it? I have not. Okay, it's hilarious, and it's almost a hundred percent accurate. Mm-hmm. They 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 grant they. What's the word I'm looking for? I was told for? I need to see this. Yeah, it's it's good. It's very very good, and especially if you served a mission, you will laugh because. It's so good. Now there's language and there's some, you know, you know, there's some, there's some themes in there that, that might seem, uh, offensive to Mormons, but honestly, any Mormon who's not lying to themselves has to laugh at it because it is, it is pretty funny and it is pretty true. But there's a, there's a song that's making fun of this idea in the Mormon church of what they call turn it off, which is if you have a thought that you, that's, that's not according to the doctrine of the church, just turn it off. Like if you if you think differently than what the, the the brethren say, which is the leaders of the church, just turn it off. And they go so far, and I've actually seen this happen. Um, by the way, this is not. I am not attacking the church at all. I'm just sort of saying how things are. Uh, there's even a lot of sentiment around people who ident- identify as homosexuals, where it's mm-hmm. like just tur- just turn it off. That's how you win. Uh, pause for one second while I calm the dog down. Mia, shh, you're fine. That's what happens when you do a podcast with two dogs sitting oh, on the bed right there. Funny dog. But uh, but yeah, there's this sentiment of like, you know, just just if if you if what you want to say or what you have to say isn't in line with the general teachings of the church, then just just stop feeling that way. And that mm-hmm. was frustrating to me because uh, I tried, I honestly honestly tried to turn my mind off and stop thinking through these different um, ideas and these different places that raised questions more than they answered. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't. I like. I remember three and four times saying, "Ah, Brett, just stop. Like, just stop thinking so much. You're making it harder for yourself. Just stop." And I just couldn't. And then, and it was it, part of this journey was me realizing that I'm not going to turn it off. I can't turn it off. That's I, I'm not me That's if you. I'm not turning it off. Exactly. And um, had a great conversation with a really good friend of mine, who I haven't gotten permission whether I can share the name, so I'm not going to. But um, that that talked about the one of the big differences between super religious people like my, like I was at the time and people that are just more spiritual is that 
spiritual people tend to just be spiritual and religious people love to talk about being spiritual. Hmm. Mormons are really good at talking about being spiritual, not necessarily as good at being spiritual, but it's almost like if you can't talk about it, you're, you're, you're almost of a lesser status, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. and I think it all just comes back to that, to, to, to come back to your question. I think it just comes back to, um, not n- me not being able to turn it off because that's who I am. I'm a questioner. I'm, I'm a, I like to think I philosophize and I go to those places. Mm-hmm. I have to ask those questions or I'm not being and true to myself. That, that actually was a, a big part of, of what you were talking about in the podcast. Whereas, you know, really the way I understood it is you got to this point because you're just, you're innately, you know, that you're, you're a curious person. Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of the things that you were seeing, you were just like, well, why, yeah. well, why is it done this way? Yeah. What, what is, you know, what is the point? And I didn't find good answers. That's, and that's part of the thing is like, it's mm-hmm. being inquisitive is not a problem in and of itself. And I don't think anybody inside the church or out would say, you shouldn't ask questions. Mm-hmm. That's bad. I think the problem is when the, when that person can't answer your questions, then it becomes, ah, don't ask questions, right? Just stick with what we've got. Mm-hmm. And it, I also, I don't, I also don't mind if you just say we don't have the answer, but the official, one of my, the issues was that, like the official response to a lot of these questions was don't ask questions. Like, have faith. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, very plain and simple. Don't yeah, a questions. lot of times they would come out with the, these explanations that seemed almost like it was, you know, like, for the faith, the faithful will, will understand. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I am faithful, and I'm really smart, and I don't get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, there was, there were, and I, I'm probably over est- I mean, overstating the the simplicity of it like there was probably a lot more to it obviously but it just seemed like we were encouraged to not dig yeah too much just go with the program it'll all work out if you go with the program and to their credit if you can manage to stick with the program 100 percent, your life is beautiful mm-hmm. beautiful there's so many things about the church that i miss and i'll always miss because there's just so many benefits to being mormon but i'm not one of those people that can't that, that doesn't question so well, there's, you know, like I said before, there are people that thrive in, in, in structure, and I don't think anybody is going to frown upon that. I you don't. Know? I don't. I, I think it's completely fine. Yeah, and I know? said that several times in the podcast. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not judging anybody that's in the church. I'm not judging people that stay forever. I'm not judging people who, you know, come back to me and they say, well, I, st- I believe and I'm always going to believe. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I think that's great. Yeah. I wish that I could do that. Yeah. Because it's simpler that way. And I'm not like saying that your life is easier than mine. I'm just saying it's, it would, you know, it would be simpler than what I, you know, the struggle that I had to go through is just, if I could just turn it off. It's interesting because even from like a personal um, experiences, you know, so my family is half Nepalese, half Bulgarian, Orthodox Christian. And so I always heard this, you know, this, um, this, basically need to always be in church Sunday mm-hmm. or always go to the temple. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was like, well, where do I go? Yeah. Do I go to the temple or do I go to church? Yeah. Is it, is it, is it Shiva, Ganesh and Vishnu or is it God? Yeah. You know, so yeah, right from, 
right from the get-go, I was like, well, if I go one way, well, then I'm kind of like, that I'm disrespecting the mm-hmm. the other side. Yeah. You know? So, so it was, it was kind of weird for me. And, uh, eventually I, I chose to, I chose, to, I chose to kind of take the best of both, you know? Uh, I said, listen, I respect both sides, 100%. And honestly, I would love to go to the temple and I would love to go to church. But I'm not going to say that I'm 100% here or there because mm-hmm. it's just, I, I would be doing a disservice to, to, me too because i'm 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 yeah. yin and yang yeah you know it's like yes do i do that to myself mm-hmm. it's not even it's like it's not even about uh you know one grandma versus the other right it's not about that anymore right. it's like i know where i'm from yeah why would i do that to myself right and the best way is to say hey you know what i love it both i love it both i'm gonna embrace all the positive things and just be me and that was one thing i'm so glad you brought that up that was one thing about when I was in college, I took a world religions class. And at BYU, which is the Mormon university, everything is somewhat suspect because it's all coming from a certain angle. There's a certain um, paradigm or a, you know, there's a certain way that they're teaching. This professor was, I thought, I thought he was, he was pretty uh, objective in most of, the, most of the things that he was saying. But as we went through all these different religions, it seemed to me that they were all basically saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. And and there were so many cool little pieces about each one that I really really identified with. So for example, this is I'm so glad you brought this up. For example, I really strongly identify with Taoism, which is the oh, thing of yin and nice. yang, right? Yin and yang. Yeah. Because the whole point of Taoism is that the struggle itself is necessary. Taoism is incredibly meta. Mm-hmm. It's like you look at the world. Like, for example, if we, if we take a practical example, if we take like the, the, the government of the United States right now. We have a two-party system. Hate it, love it, whatever you want. We have a two-party system, and that's kind of the way it works. Now, the Taoism would look at the two-party system, and they would say both parties agree with one, disagree with the other. It doesn't matter which side you're on. Both are necessary to balance the other out. Mm-hmm. You've got to have conservatism to balance that. out uh, liberalism, right? So everything that the liberals talk about, if you don't have a conservative on the other side, you can get an imbalance in points of view. So the, the crazy hardcore conservative right and the crazy, crazy hardcore conservative uh, left are both necessary in order for the other to even exist, mm-hmm. right? So the, I, when I first heard that, when we were talking about that in the, in the class, that hit me so hard because I've always just, I've always already believed that mm-hmm. so that it made sense to me. And there's a lot of, lot of practical, um, or not practical, I should say. There's a lot of practices and, and doctrines of, of Buddhism and, and um, oh, what's the Japanese one? Maybe I, don't, maybe I don't love it as much as I thought of. I don't even remember the name. It's okay. Might be just a brain fart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot of Eastern religions, um, uh, people get a bad name for being into Eastern religions because it makes them seem hippie. But I think a lot of it is just, it's around f- like letting go of the need to be uh, to be present physically mm-hmm. and connecting with yourself spiritually. And it's not for show. Nobody sees. Right. That's the whole thing. Like enlightenment in a Buddhist sense is not about people seeing you be enlightened. It's about you being okay with being enlightened all by yourself and nobody ever knowing mm-hmm. or caring. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think in a lot of ways, and this, 
again, this is not a doctrinal thing in the Mormon church or in any Christian church, but I think it's a very, it's a, you see this in practice a lot. Um, the show of righteousness becomes almost the point of going to church. You go to church to show how, what how, it? how, well, like, just like to be, I come to church because I'm a righteous person. And the people that aren't here are the not righteous people. And you even, you even without, not directly, but you even indirectly refer to those that aren't here. I mean, essentially just showing up. Yeah. Show, uh, being, participating. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what we're Yeah, participating. About. But the funny thing about it is like, you go to church not because you're awesome. You go to church because you need something. Mm-hmm. Right? And and that was that was one thing that I believed internally, but I never really felt like I experienced that much at church, like other people coming there because they were broken. Mm-hmm. It seemed like, it seemed to me that most of the people that I was interacting with at church and in any church I went, I've been to lots of churches, um, any church that I went to, it seemed like the interaction was more, was less about, Hey, you know what? You and I, we're in the same boat. We're both broke. Mm-hmm. Like we are broken and we're here because this gives us something that we can't get elsewhere. But that didn't seem to be the case. Most of the time it was mostly, you go and, you know, so-and-so gets up and get, like in the Mormon church, they give up and give talks and yeah. they get up and it just seemed very like preachy. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I, it wasn't quite to the point of saying I'm the greatest and you guys suck, but that was the feeling that was given off. You know, I've always had this question, right? If you don't go to church, whether it's whatever religion, does that mean you don't believe? Was that a... No, I just hypothetical, or are you doing my opinion? Well, I mean, what, what do you think? That that's always been a question of mine. That is a I'm great not question. Looking exactly, that, is a, that is a great question. I'm not necessarily looking for you to answer it. Yeah. It's just, you know, I've always wondered that. Yeah, well, because I mean, the the Does set, that make me the, the follow up to the question is, what what is entailed in belief? Like, what do you have to do yeah. to believe? Yeah, and so there are some Christians that talk about, you know, Mormons are really big on works on faith that works is dead this whole concept which i think is a little bit too strictly enforced <laughs> this idea that you have to be perfect in mm-hmm. order to but i think i think you bring i think it, the question itself brings up a good point which is isn't like what 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 really are we trying to accomplish here mm-hmm. like what's the point of church and um is is showing up at church like is that the important thing you know and maybe in some instances for some people it is, but I think, I think just, the, I think the question itself is, is powerful. Yeah. Something I mean, about. honestly, I'm not necessarily looking for an answer, answer. Right. It's just always been, you know, a question for me. Yeah. Because I mean, you can still practice and do all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I do understand that, you know, church Sunday is, it's just a time that uh, co- collectively we've all yeah. agreed that that's the time to for everybody to show up, yeah. not necessarily for each other. Right. You don't have to prove anything, but hey, this is a place where you can go right. and you can practice. Yeah. Well, uh, I think a, another way of asking that same question that for any Mormons that are watching or, or people like that, um, it's like, can you drink and be Mormon? Okay. Right? Yeah. Because the drinking is not allowed. Mm-hmm. It's against the what we call the word of wisdom. And yet the funny thing about that is I know personally mm-hmm. several people who drink and are the hardcorest of Mormon. See, that's interesting. So it's like you wouldn't know. They don't. They're not public about that, obviously. Mm-hmm. 
but that doesn't that isn't necessary. But for them, that's it that's would discredit what, their Mormon. Exactly, exactly. But even that, that's that's actually part of the point too. That the idea that they would be discredited in their Mormonism for choices that they make. Yeah. Mormonism is a belief structure, right? Right. It's a it's a it's a tribe. It's like these are people that come together that believe a certain set of principles, a certain set of things, and are trying to better their lives. But you know, as soon as as soon as one person is doing something that's that seems to be blatantly against the rules, they're sort of almost outcast. And it's like, aren't those the people? In in theory, aren't those the people that we should be the most focused on, the most concerned about? I mean, Jesus himself wasn't. Who did he go talk to? Yeah, it wasn't the the guys that said they were so holy. It was the it was the it was the prostitutes. Hmm. It was like the prostitutes and like loan sharks. Mm-hmm. These are the people that he was talking to. Huh? So so if if we're following his example, wouldn't it make more sense that we would be a little bit less? Got to be perfect. You know what I mean? You know yeah. what I mean? So anyway, so yeah, I think yeah. I think your question brings up some good points. Um, sorry, I wrote down a couple of questions here. <laughs> one of the <laughs> one of the parts I love. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna know why I love this part. Was you you're talking about connection, okay? And you achieve that connection through Muay Thai. And um, number one, first first of all, first of all, I have to say, I love the sport. Completely agree with you. Um, but you know, what is it? What is it about Muay Thai? I mean, you say it right, uh-huh. but like, what is it? What is it that that makes you feel so connected? <laughs> this is this is good. Um, the thing about Muay Thai for me is that it, so it starts out as as a purely physical pursuit, something that I really hadn't done before, mm-hmm. right? Um, and when you when you're that that allows a lot of your natural instincts to bubble to the surface, things mm-hmm. that I've repressed for a long time. So for me, my natural instinct was fear. The first time I remember to this day, in fact, it was with Roma, the first person that I ever worked with in a drilling situation. This is after I'd been working with our, our main trainer, the guy that owns the gym for maybe a month and a half. Mm-hmm. And I've been taking power boxing classes just with on the bag, but never like actually worked with anybody. I remember my first drill, the first set of punches that he threw, I freaked out. I was terrified. <laughs> I'm like covering up. And I think it's, I think you, everybody has a similar ish experience. I think that I was a little bit more pansy about it than most, but I remember, uh, that was very revealing about myself. And I felt more connected in that moment to who I actually was than I had in the, the previous 20 years beforehand, because I never, you don't think you're scared. You don't walk around thinking, oh, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a mm-hmm. pansy. I can't, I can't do it. Right. You think, no, I could take it. I'm not scared of anything. And then you get into a situation where, I mean, Roma doesn't, I mean, he's not going to do much damage. Right. But I didn't know that at the time. And I was terrified. And, um, well, you didn't know what to expect. Didn't know what to expect. Right. Exactly. So. And then when I went to go throw punches on him, like it was the same fear. Like yeah. just not knowing what I was doing and being out of my element and all those things. And, be, and, and that natural physical instinct to me connected me to myself and, and to what was happening. I didn't really comprehend it at the time. But as I look back, I, as the, I look at the experiences sort of in total, um, the, those experiences, and that happened over, it continues to happen over and over and over and over again. That fear, that, that not necessarily fear, but going to a very 
uh, f- like physically instinctive place, mm-hmm. especially in a sparring round where um, you let your mind turn off and your mind and your body come together and it just, you just do. Mm-hmm. You don't think, you don't strategize, you don't, you don't say, oh, he's going to do this and I'm going to react. And you'll, you know when you're working with someone that's thinking or when you're thinking because you can see it in their face. Right. And, and it totally ruins well, the Well, plus it becomes you. super awkward. It's super, super awkward. You see them like, oh, he threw a low kick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait for the next one. I'm going right. to check it. And it's easy. You know, it's, it, it, it breaks up the flow. But in those moments when it, everything just shuts off, I remember uh, there's been several rounds I've worked with you, working with Kenny, a lot of rounds that I've done where everything shuts off and you just go and you flow. And afterwards, you just feel so, uh, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. You, I feel so connected to just just myself to to the the ring like to the person i'm i'm dealing with like the person i'm sparring with because um because we're not we're not just separated from each other by by thought or rationality or motive or motivation or any of that where it's literally just both of us trying to do the same thing in a very instinctive and 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 physical way which is i, I think have that's a lot of it one way i explain it is connect by disconnecting Yes. Okay. And the, the the reason the reason why I say it that way is because, um, I mean, Muay Thai Muay Thai is it's it's not to say that if you want to find yourself, Muay Thai is the answer. You right. know what I mean? Right. It's more of Muay Thai was just the vehicle. Yeah. In which got you there. Yeah. Right. And when I say connect by disconnecting, it's just that type of sport where you have to be focused. Mm-hmm. I mean. It's a pretty, you know, it's a d- demanding sport. You have to be very, very sharp. And I think, you know, that's one reason why you potentially got there. And I think it's important for people to maybe find that. Not, and I'm not saying go do Muay Thai. Right. You know what I mean? I'm saying but go do find... Muay Thai. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also secretly saying <laughs> go do Muay Thai because it's awesome. But I mean, I think I think what people need to find is is the same type of vehicle that lets you disconnect from everything else so that you can connect with yourself first. I think uh, to clarify what you said before, you said that Muay Thai allows you to, f- you have to focus. Yeah. I think it's important to realize, I don't think you mean focus as in concentrate. I think you mean focus as in be in one place. Like focused meaning like narrow, not focused meaning like, because what I found is the more, because concentrate thinks, concentrate mm-hmm. makes me think of like thinking. Oh, yes. Right? So, yeah. and maybe, no, maybe okay. even concentrate you would think. Yeah. I think of, I'm I think, saying, I like, think I know, like, like the, the, you have to get to a point where you can shut everything else out. Correct. Right, exactly. What's happening outside the gym yes. shuts off. Bills shuts off. Your yes. job it shuts off. Girlfriend gone doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Nothing exists. Not even the sound of the timer exists. The only thing that exists is the guy in front of you or the mm-hmm. girl in front of you that you're sparring with. And uh, and in those moments, the thing about that is you have to train so that you don't think in those places. Mm-hmm. It has to be so natural. Yep. It has to just flow. So you're 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 training yourself, your mind, and your body. To not need to think in tandem, but rather to think as one, and and to not think at all, so that thinking just goes out the window. You don't have to translate, st- you know, input to reaction to motion. It's just boom. It just goes, 
and and I think I think that's that's kind of the idea. The, the, the focus is being able to narrow your narrow the focus of what you're talking, what you're considering, what mm-hmm. the inputs that you're that you're talking about. Because like when I work in a, when I'm sparring, nothing else exists. Yeah, nothing. And there's never been anything that I've ever done that's been like that. Yeah, and and, and I agree. The, the focus is, you know, it's it's on that sport. It's just disconnecting from yeah. everything else. Yeah. Actually, no, I lied. The only other thing that I've ever been able to say that I've truly disconnected in that same way, even close to what I did with Muay Thai, mm-hmm. is when I'm sitting on the piano. There's every once in a while well, that, I can sit down and yeah. just start sort of playing and well, just again, lose myself. It supports, you know, kind of what I said. What I was saying, yeah, it doesn't have to be Muay Thai. Exactly. A lot of people find that, let's say, it's Zen, right? Yeah. A lot of people find that Zen even just through running. Like I know yeah. people, they're they're like, oh, I got to go on the run. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus Christ, like. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. Go. You know. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're obsessed. Yeah. And and one you know obviously physically they want to be fit and it's it's releasing endorphins all these kind of things but you know people go run early early in the morning because that's their meditation. It's quiet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a lot a lot of people think when when we talk about meditation we think like all right I have to sit yeah I have to sit in a yoga pose with some incense and flowers you know like. Anyway, to me, that's like the 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 <laughs> hypothetical or typical. I'll just take the 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 incense and the flowers and leave the yoga pose out of it. There you go. <laughs> so you know, and and people think like that's a meditation. Yeah. I need to go do that. Yeah. When they fail to realize that the meditation is doing what you love, actually. Yeah. yeah. In my personal opinion, mm-hmm. that's what that's what meditation is. Yeah. It's it's when you're just completely happy you're just doing that you're focused and just through that action you're learning a lot about yourself i tell people all the time that muay thai is like yoga for me yeah because it's my meditation because it gives me the same like people and i use yoga because that's a lot of people that have done yoga understand the meditative meditative the i'm not sure we're going to use that if it's not a word it is now (laughs) the meditative properties of yoga to where you go in and it's like very, you get, you get centered and that's the whole point of yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's kind of surprising for a lot of people because Muay Thai is probably the most violent sport. I think it's the most violent. Yeah. Well, in terms of blood Pretty spilt, <laughs> sanctioned blood spilt. That is, um, in terms of hand to hand. Yeah. Like no weapons. Yeah. 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 Uh, but at the same time, even with all of that, it's just this beautiful, meditative like yoga-esque kind of thing and i I mean that's it's just beautiful it's amazing well i mean what's nice about muay thai too is it's it's structure it's it's it's, there's a there's a lot of respect in it too so you know it's 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 a good you know for for people who may not have the respect part in 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 a type of sport it's it's very very um what's the word i'm looking for uh, it's just, it's just nice. It's, it's uplifting yeah. to have that. Yeah, it's 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 good to have that. Well, I mean, simple things like the like the, the the bow to bow. You know, to yeah. bow to your instructor when you see them. Bow when you enter the ring. Bow afterward. Like it's just everything. Everything is everything. just very very respectful. Bow before you start a round. Bow at the end of a round. Like everything about it is just very. I just it's that same it goes back to that same sort of centering, grounding, Zen type mm-hmm. of thing. And if you if you let that. 
some people they do it and you can see them just going through the motions and the, and the, that deep mm-hmm. connection to it doesn't really happen. So it's possible to do Muay Thai and not be zen out of your mind like we are. <laughs> but if you really allow yourself to, um, that's power right there. When you really allow yourself to, uh, to kind of give in to the, to the respect of it, to the culture of it, to the, the ritual of it, mm-hmm. it can, it can create. And, Interesting enough, I'm actually interested that I just said ritual because I I kind of blasted on ritual in the in the the podcast. Oh, and and I think I think part of the difference is, um, I think ritual in this in the in the Muay Thai sense, and this is free flow. I didn't think of this before, so we're going to see where this goes. I think ritual in the Muay Thai sense is something that allows us to connect to the sport itself, which I think, like you were saying, allows us to disconnect from the thought of it and rather just participate in it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think a lot of these indoctrination rituals, like I talked about before, are designed, I won't even say necessarily designed, because I, I can't say that they're designed to do this, but they have the effect of conditioning somebody's mind to not think in times when they should be thinking, right? So when, like, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be thinking during Muay Thai, because that will get you hurt, and because you, you lose the effect. But when it comes to the way that you're going to live your life and sort of other more philosophical things like maybe the, the thought should be there more. Anyway, that's a thought I'll have to think about for a month and then we'll do a podcast episode on it. So the, the concept of kind of connecting to yourself by, you know, basically putting a curtain on everything else. I mean, it sounds like you didn't necessarily find that, you know, in in mormonism is is that is that fair to say yeah no I, that's a, a huge part of the reason why i ended up leaving was because i found this this amazing experience that's consistent i i know what it ta- i know what it takes to get this experience and it's called mm-hmm. show up to muay thai <laughs> but uh, i i had this this the the frustration with mormonism all the time which was you know, I'm by doing all the things that I'm doing, I'm supposed to be having more of these sort of spiritual experiences, is the way that we refer to them. But I just wasn't. And a lot of people have told me that it's because I wasn't doing the things, mm-hmm. which is, wasn't true. I actually was doing the things, but then I, I mean, when I stopped, obviously I wasn't getting those spiritual experiences from there. But, but that type of that type of real connection to self, I think, going back to your first question, which was were we encouraged or allowed to like to find ourselves? Yeah. And again, I I said allowed very loosely, so I don't want, yeah, no, 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 I know. I know. (laughs) I don't want anybody to get, I know. And I clarified that at the very beginning. I just wanted to make sure I quoted you right. The the word word, verbatim. Yeah. Uh, I think that it's, again, it's not so much that there, there's not a place for it. It's not so much that it couldn't, couldn't have happened. It's that it's not, well, it's that it's not really, it's not really built into the system. Mm-hmm. So I guess no, there isn't really a place for it. It's not, it's not part of the the written out plan. Well, is it is it too much of, you should do this, and then after that you should do, this, and then after that you should do this. It's almost like, well, I mean, hold on, give me give me two seconds to breathe. Yeah, I kind of wanna. Where do I get to choose my path? Yeah, like. Give me, give me like some can options I, and I can, can go A, B, yeah, or C. Can I, can I kind of maybe ask myself some questions? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's true. I think I mentioned. A little bit too forced? I mean, is, is that, yeah. is that, 
again, I know nothing. That's fair. No, it's about, very fair. And about I don't... the community. And I, I don't want to sound like I'm bashing. I'm honestly just very, very curious yeah. as to, you know, is it, if it is that way to some degree. Yeah. And no, it is. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is there. Like I said, you, you can survive outside the norm, but the fact of the matter is, uh, there is a sort of set path. Mm-hmm. And when you fall out of line, there is a, a, a I'll say unofficial disdain mm-hmm. for falling out of line. Unofficially official, we'll put it that way. Where, so that the pattern goes like this, all right? Here's the way that a Mormon life should be led. It, this is extremely simplified, right? So don't, haters going to hate, obviously, but don't quote me on this to the T. You're born, uh, your parent, when you're born, it starts before you're even born, by the way. Uh, when you're born, if you're, um, your, your, if your parents are both members of the church, that's called being born in the covenant, which means you're sealed to your parents so that you can be with them forever, right? So that's just kind of the, the preface. When you're a kid, when you're first born, you get blessed by your dad. Then from the ages of two, uh, two or three until eight, you're in a thing called nursery and primary, which is for the little kids. And you grow up and you learn your, the 13 articles of faith, like what Mormonism is all about. You learn the main scripture stories, um, you learn, you do Cub Scouts if you're a boy, um, you do Achievement Day if you're a girl, like there's these programs that you go through. When you turn eight, you graduate and you become, you, you get baptized. That's the age of baptism, right? So at eight, at eight years old. Um, then from the ages of eight to 12, you're in what's called senior primary, which is where you're supposed to kind of learn a little bit more and get ready for, for the, the boys, get ready to, to get the priesthood, which is when you're 12. And for the girls, get ready to be older girls or something. I don't, I wasn't part mm-hmm. of that, so I don't really know. 12 to 18, you're part of what's called the young men's program and you're part of what's called the ironic priesthood. So it's, it's like the authority to run things in the church, but like junior, <laughs> it's like okay. the junior priesthood kind of thing. And then the girls are part of uh, the young women when they do, they have different things they're supposed to do. And there's, there's awards you can get that you work after and all these kinds of things. By the way, as a boy, you're expected fully to get your Eagle Scout. Uh, to become an Eagle Scout. That's Scalp, why. Which I did. That, so that explains everything. I, on my honor, I will do my best to do my duty <laughs> to go out of my country, all, et cetera, et cetera. Pro camper. Exactly. That's the best part that I took from it. Hey. You not? turn 18, and now it's the age is 18. At 18, boys go on their missions. I have one nephew that just left on his mission uh, last week. I have one nephew that's in South America now, and then one that got back not too long ago from Philadelphia. When you're a girl, I think when you turn 19, you can go on a mission. You come back and you immediately go off to college or whatever, but you go into what's called a singles ward. A singles ward is like a congregation designed to get you married. <laughs> and that, you, you can't deny it. That's what they're for. Uh, you get married before you turn 25. Because mm-hmm. one of the leaders of the church once said, you know, 100 years ago, that any man who's older than 25 and unmarried is a menace to society. Right, so you are technically a menace. I'm the worst of menaces. Although the first time, no, when I got married the first time, I was well under the age. I was like 22. Okay. Um, so what happens is you go to a singles ward for the shortest amount of time possible. You meet a girl that you like-ish. You decide to get married. You get married three weeks later, ish, on average. Um, and then you move into a a married family ward and you live out your life. You raise kids, and then the cycle starts over. And as you get older. You raise your kids, you see them off on their missions, you do all these things, and then you um, 
you know, then you get callings and you're like the award music leader. And there's just like a, there's a, there's a flow to it. There's a pattern to Mm -hmm. it. Um, but like I said, in the podcast episode, there's not really a program for people that jump around like I did Mm -hmm. where like I was going well and good, going well and good. And then it's like, Oop, divorce, step back, do not pass go, do not collect $200. And, and there's not really like a, a way to move forward. But like, that's, if you stay within that and you listen and you show up to church every week, and you go to all the meetings and you fulfill your calling, you do whatever your assignment is and you do all these things. And you can do that without being super questioning and inquisitive and curious and annoying like I was, like a lot of people are. I mean, honestly, all that sounds great. It's awesome. Like that, that sounds really great. It's so awesome if you can, if you can just stick with it. You, you know what's funny is that, yeah. I... Oh, hang on. I have, to, I have to point out this one other thing. I, I mentioned this before about coming home from a mission, but it was it was brought up to me again the other day. Um, coming home from a mission early mm-hmm. is like the biggest mark of shame. Oh, it's so when you it's even worse than getting divorced. When you got hurt, when I got hurt, I had a, I had, a, I had an out. I okay. Had a, I had oh, okay. So a, it wasn't pass. that. But I have friends. I have good close friends who came home from their missions early for right. reasons that don't don't matter. Uh-huh. And to this day are continuously judged oh, well, that's for not, coming home early. That's kind of... So it's yeah. that same type of thing. You know, if you, if you follow the whole thing... Is that thing, fair? It's not fair at all. But if you, if you follow the whole thing and you can, and you can sustain the whole process, it's right. awesome. Yeah. I know a lot of people that are, you know, they've done that and they're super happy. And they've, they, most of them have reached out to me and they said, I love my life. The Mormonism's awesome. Right. Awesome. I love right. it. Yeah, yeah. But it, I didn't, I, I, it breaks down when you don't follow the, the process completely. So I came home early. It messed with me. I got married, got divorced. It messed with me. I had questions, didn't get them answered. It messed with me. Like these, these things that I went through, it just, it, it, it sort of breaks down the, the rosy hue, mm-hmm. so to speak. What, what's interesting is, you know, you mentioned like this was determined, you know, under 25, 100 years ago, you yeah. know, this kind of thing. <laughs> and what's interesting is like, as a society, just in general, the world, right? As human beings, yeah. as we get bigger, as we interact more and more and more, mm-hmm. and we learn about all these different types of communities and cultures, you naturally, don't you just want to ask questions? I mean, here, here's, here's, here's an Here's what I'm wondering. Isn't this happening more often because of just the knowledge of everything else in the world? Do, do, do you see what I'm saying? I think this is, ha- well, this is happening. This type of thing, people leaving the church over questions and stuff is happening a lot more often. Um, I'm not the first, not close. I'm- because I feel like before, well, the community was tighter. There was less, maybe there's, maybe there was less, um, um, technology for you to uh-huh. well there's definitely less interaction know. with the outside world right there's there's mormonism less is, for you to learn yeah other than what you're taught well right? mormonism and for good reason is is a very close-knit and closed off community right they're they're very much of the the the, the mindset of like be in the world but not of the world mm-hmm. meaning here's mormons and the world is over there mm-hmm. and and i mean you have to be that way because you if you want to keep the doctrine pure if you want to keep the the right. everything about it pure you can't just like release it into the Fair wild enough. you have yeah, to keep it absolutely. sort of you know isolated from that kind of thing 
But what's happening now is the strategy, well, what I think is happening now is this, the strategies of keeping people in the church that worked before under the the paradigm where there wasn't communication with the outside world and it wasn't, like you say, all this information wasn't readily available to people. Mm-hmm. It was much easier to to provide incentive for people to just stop asking questions. Whereas now it's much easier for me to go on the internet and read a bunch of things or and just like... I'm more exposed to other ideas by the f- sheer nature of the fact that it's 2016. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm forced to think more. So I think, yeah, this is happening more because of the era that we're in, because of how prevalent technology is and information. Um, and it's, I think it's becoming more and more difficult. Most of the people that have reached out and expressed that they have had similar struggles and sentiments are the people that are, you know, that that they they were always were strong members of the church, but they're the people that are like me that were more inquisitive, more looking for you know mm-hmm. like asking questions and kind of going at things. And not to say the people that have reached out and said I'm happy inside the church that you're dumb or anything. Just that's I've noticed that's been a, a trend. You know, is that that the people that are reaching out and saying I you know I feel the same. You know, I've had the same sort of struggle. Those yeah. the, these are the people that that are just they're honestly trying to do the, what's right. They're honestly trying to be good. And they think about things and they question things and things need to make sense. Well, it's like, am I wrong to ask questions? Right. Which is, uh, it's like, no, you shouldn't. We should never feel that way. Right. 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 And again, I don't, I don't think that, number one, that part of the problem with Mormonism as it is right now, as I see it, is that it's not that it's officially taught, don't ask questions. And it's not that it's unofficially believed by everyone individually don't ask questions. Mm-hmm. It's this middle ground where the, the top brass, so to speak, has kind of hinted at it, mm-hmm. like have faith. And the middle brass has sort of enforced that by saying, I don't know how to answer that question. Read your scripture, say your prayers, have faith. And the lower brass, like just the pe- the members of the church are either okay, or that doesn't really work for me. Right. I need something more. So, like, no, I need an answer. You're supposed to be the one with the answer. Like I'm supposed to be able to come to you and ask questions and have right. you actually answer them. So I think it was a I think it's a, a combination of a lot of things and there there is definitely a growing frustration among a lot of LDS people. LDS people is that that's Mormon speak for Mormon. Okay. <laughs> that's kinda how, how they refer to themselves, how we used to refer to ourselves. But um but yeah, it's uh it's it's that's you know, just kind of part of the thing is you know, a lot of those people are starting to ask questions because there are questions to be asked. And, and especially, too, as now, like, there's a lot of que- a lot of people are leaving the church now not because of discovering other things like I did. I, like I, I think I, I'm always, I'm on this eternal quest to be unique. I don't like to do things for the same reasons everybody else does. And it's a little bit of a pride thing for me. So <laughs> I totally understand this. But I do believe in this case that I'm actually justified. A lot of people are leaving because they research church history and they discover things that bother them about church history. Mm-hmm. So things that happened in the past, the, the original leaders of the church, things they would do, things about polygamy and a lot of things in the early history of the church, and it really bothers them. And so they're like, ah, I can't handle it, and they leave. And decisions are like, do what you're going to do, right? I didn't leave. I actually don't have any problem with any of that because the 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 core idea, if if the core idea is true, then it doesn't really matter like according to the core idea itself, it doesn't really matter all all the church history stuff because things can happen for any number of reasons as long as the end goal is achieved, 
right? And that's not, it's not quite as the same as like, everything's fine with the Catholic Church, even though they've gone through a bunch of stuff. It's sort of like, well, actually, I guess it is kind of like that. But at the end of the day, like if God's in charge and if it's his thing and he actually is making that happen, it doesn't matter why, right? It does, because he's, it's, it's a, we, we have no, nothing to do with it. But the problem is, if that's true, then all these, for me, then all these other things necessarily need to be true. And I've found those things not to be true. Like mm-hmm. things like, if you read your scriptures and say your prayers every day, you will have spiritual experiences. Like God will speak to you. Right. And he didn't. And, and, and you'll have these experiences that are described in, a, in similar ways to what happens when I spar in Muay Thai. Do you expect that to happen? God to talk to you? In, in any case? I strongly believed that he would for the large portion of my life. And there were some instances when, and I can't say either way, whether it was or wasn't, some instances where I really believed that he was speaking to me, but I, you know, I, I couldn't tell you with any sort of certainty mm-hmm. that I thought that he was. Um, but I can speak with absolute certainty about what happens when I spar. And that to me, that, like I, said, I was saying it earlier, the fact that it's consistent the fact that it's the same, the fact that I know, I, I know, I know that when I put in what I need to put in, I get out what I need out. Like that, to me, it's it, it's just so much more stable. It's not, it's not as fickle. And the idea of God to me, being a fickle being, who chooses, picks and chooses when and where he will react to the same set of inputs, doesn't jive with the core idea of God. It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Like if God's God, God's the same. Like. He's the perfect example of, he would be, in theory, he would be the perfect example of responding, like doing things the same way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and that, that could be a naive approach, obviously, but I, it comes back to the fact that I've, I didn't leave because I got pissed off about something. I left because I found something that I liked better and that works for me way, way more. So. I see. That's, that's an interesting Interesting viewpoint. Um, so how, how how do you feel now? Now that it's out there, I mean, is it like a, a weight off your shoulders or? I wouldn't say weight off my shoulders. What is um, it? Although in a, in a way it's kind of liberating because I, it's like, I, I don't have to watch what I say in, in public, meaning on social media. Right. Cause nobody, I, I don't have, I have literally zero Mormon friends now, like here, oh, no. <laughs> which is fine. That was my choice. And I, that happened after I stopped going to church, by the way, just so that everybody doesn't, people don't freak out. But, um, it just, it feels good to be honest. Yeah. To be real, like to be me. It's, it feels good to have the real me known and understood and there's a, I mean, a little bit, it's a little bit nerve wracking because I, I statistically it's going to go really South with some people. You know what I mean? Statistically, it's going to go really well with most people. And then there's going to be four or five people for, with which I'm just going to, it's just going to be nasty. And I'm not the person, I'm not a person to, f- to back away from a verbal argument. I love, I love word sparring. <laughs> and You're so pretty good at it. Yeah. And so, uh, and I, I have been. You know, I've practiced my whole life. <laughs> so, Wait, how many brothers and sisters do you have? I have nine siblings. There you go. I have, yeah, there's 50 of us all together, including the, the kids. Um, actually, I think there's 52 now. But anyway, 
So I know, like, statistically speaking, it's going to get weird. It's going to get rough. It's going to get awkward and hard. But also, I don't really know, like, I don't know what the next steps are. I've had people reach out to me that I didn't know before and and comment on the on the, the podcast. I've had people that I haven't talked to in years reach out and express similar interests or express different interests or um, uh, viewpoints on it. And so I don't really know what the future holds as far as, you know, what's going to happen with me now that I've, now that I'm out with it. Um, but it does feel, it does feel more, um, honest. Mm -hmm. Do you think that there are people out there that may be feeling the same things you are, but are just super scared? Oh, I uh, Yeah, I know there are. You know, I've I've gotten text messages from some of them. Just like, <laughs> oh my god, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I hear you, yeah. and I agree, but I just don't know what to do. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, how, how do I find that zen? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe maybe that's one of the, maybe that's one of the kind of anxious feelings that they have. Yeah. I'm again, I'm just like almost like trying to put myself yeah. maybe in in, yeah. in somebody's position that yeah. That through you, I'm just kind of trying to live it through you. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Well, a couple of things. First of all, I have no advice for you. Because <laughs> I'm, like I said before, I, I refuse to tell you what to do and to take, take on your choices for you. I will say this, though. We, I think that, that Dennis and I have done a, a decent enough job explaining. We talked for a good portion of the time about um, the fact that it doesn't have to be one thing. Right. Right. For me, it's Muay Thai and piano, like music. It, it, it could be anything for you. Honestly, it could be Mormonism could help you find that center, that Zen. It just wasn't for me. So like, don't think that because so many people are leaving that that's the right thing to do. Right. So basically I said, I'm committing to nothing <laughs> yeah. and telling you that you should, it has to be a hundred percent you. You have to go deep and really, really discover what it is that you want. And one, well, I guess one exercise that you might do that might help you get there that I'll, that I'll suggest, and this is totally noncommittal is, um, I don't know if you've seen the movie, if any of you have seen the movie up in the air with George Clooney, great, great movie, kind of hard to follow sometimes, but he, he has this, there's this scene where he's giving this motivational address and he walks up on stage and he has a backpack and he puts it on the stage and he says, okay, I want you to imagine that this backpack contains everything that you own. So put everything that you own in this backpack, right? All of your, your house, your car, your, your, uh, your bike, your, your bed, your everything, your computer, everything that you own, put it in the backpack. And then I want you to imagine throwing it away. Right. <laughs> and then he says, now I want you to imagine putting every person in your life into the backpack and then just throw them away. Now imagine putting every concern, every bill, every, everything, just put everything, unload everything into this bag and throw it away. What do you want to do now? I would, I would, that's a thought experiment. I would, I would recommend that's what I, that's one of the things that I did. Well, actually I didn't even have to do that thought experiment because I just, I lost everything. <laughs> and when, when you don't have, like I got to the point where I didn't have friends I didn't have a spouse. I didn't have dogs anymore. I didn't have things. I literally had to start over. And at that moment, I was, it was easy for me to make decisions based on what I wanted because there was nothing else. There were no other inputs. So I think it's important that you act based on what you want and based on who you are and then sort of go from there. 
So that's all I'll say about that. I think one important thing that you said is the starting, kind of starting over portion. And I feel like a lot of people have fear of hitting that quote unquote rock bottom. Mm. And honestly, that's, that's probably one of the, for people that have hit that and have gotten out of it, they'll, they'll always tell you nine times out of 10 that that was the most important thing mm-hmm. for, of their life. Mm-hmm. And it's what makes the difference. Yeah. It's, it's the, yeah, it's the catalyst. And you know, for anybody listening out there, I would, I would, I would say my piece of advice would be don't be afraid yeah. to get there Yeah, because a lot of people have to understand that that rock bottom is exactly probably exactly what you need to feel Mm -hmm. to understand what's coming next yeah the good the bad and the ugly i mean it's it's you need to know yeah you need to know yeah on on a less depressing note you also don't don't feel alone if you if you ever like if you need someone to talk to there are people that will talk to you and if nobody else if you can't find someone to talk to just like hit me up just comment on a video or or tweet at me I'll put out my link on there. Or hit me up on Facebook or whatever. I'm happy to have conversations. I'm going to tell you the same things, but at least I'll do it directly to you <laughs> instead of in a general sense. But uh, but I think that's I think that's very good. You know, don't be afraid. I think don't be afraid in general, but especially don't be afraid of that of that place that's really going to be the catalyst for change, the catalyst for the turnaround. So anyway, that was good. Yeah. Do you have any more questions? <sighs> You know, I think I've asked the bulk and the majority of them. Um, no, not really. Not anymore. I nice. just, it's kind of cool to kind of talk them, about did this. Did I answer and, them well? Like, was it? You did. Did I? Okay. You did. Um, it's just, it's it's very interesting from, from my point of view to kind of, um, to see somebody kind of go through this mm-hmm. or even just to even learn about it. Right, right. Not necessarily see, I didn't right. see you, but well, just to get to more insight into the yeah. journey, like what's happened. Um, the mindset. for me, you know, I always talk about, you know, the beauty of difference for me. It's great because I've never known this side, you know, th- this, this, this type of community or this type of story. So I'm learning yeah. as we go. So I think it's great. Yeah. It's cool. I think it's awesome. Well, well, no, I'm I'm glad when you came in to the night and you you were talking to me about the like the podcast and how you enjoyed it and how things were were going like something I don't know I had people say that they were that they enjoyed it but something about like the way that you were expressing it was like like it actually like affected you you know what I mean like it it so I and that that to me is I didn't really try obviously for that to happen mm-hmm. but I think when that experience um, happens and it can help somebody else like I'm it's almost makes the the crappiness of the experience worth it when the fact that you went through it helps somebody else in some way. I wanted to say the same thing. <laughs> it's about, no, I really, at the end of the day, just, you know, we want, yeah. we, it's, it's, it, I hope somebody can, can take it yeah. and, and use it to their benefit or just listen and understand and, and at least feel like they're not alone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Definitely don't want to feel like you're alone. Well, on that note, thanks everybody for tuning in. If you uh, if you stayed this late, I applaud you and I thank you for uh, for sticking around for for uh, the meta version of the conversation of the Brett Martino exit, the Brexit. 
<laughs> it's so ironic, by the way, that that's happening at that's the same right. time because it's perfect for me too. Um, coming up on the podcast shortly, soonly, we're going to be having our uh, we're going to place all of the UFC champions on the the Avengers list. We're going to match them up. Oh, we got to finish that. That's going to be epic. It's going to be so good. Uh, we're also I'm excited. We've got some cool guests that are going to be coming on in the coming week ish. Uh, we got some cool stuff with uh, with with Muay Thai, with training, with fighting that we're going to be talking about, which is going to be a lot of fun. And as always, there will be daily random ramblings from yours truly. And as often as I can get Dennis in here to bounce ideas off of, we'll do that as well. So my pleasure. There are also some fights next week, so we'll probably do some some uh, fight commentary about that. So hopefully you ch- tune in, check us out. Um, I'm going to say this at the very end of every of every video. Uh, go ahead and s- hit subscribe below. Because at some point, I might want to make money off this. And the more of you that subscribe, the better off it is for, for me and for Dennis. So go ahead and do that. We also have this uh, is on iTunes, the podcast. So if you ever just want to listen to the audio and don't want to look at my ugly mug, which I don't blame you. I wouldn't either. Um, or, you know, you're traveling in your car, you're at your work, whatever. And it's, you can't just be watching a video the whole time. Um, we'll put the link. I'll put the link in the description. And uh, you can go check that out. Download to your heart's content. Anyway, thanks, everybody, for, uh, for hanging out with us. And we will catch you on L Flipside. Peace out.